All right. So lots of people, of course, uh, having strong views about the ANC Secretary General uh, Fikilem Balula. Undoubtedly, this is not going to be the end of it. You can expect to hear a lot more opinions on uh, those comments. For now, we're going to change direction slightly. We're focusing then on the year ahead. What can we anticipate um, from a country level, particularly given the fact that there are all of these expectations, the fact that it's an election year, there will be all sorts of promises made about, uh, you know, what it is that different political parties uh, will be able to offer, the kind of change that they can bring in. But really, where do things stand right now? That's the conversation we'll have um, in the next hour. Let me welcome our guest for this conversation. Professor Hotazo Shai is a professor of politics at the University of Limpopo. Professor Shai, good morning. Morning, Kathy and the listeners and other, other guests. Duma Kobule is a research associate at the Social Policy Initiative. Duma, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for having me. And yeah. I apologize on for our third guest who couldn't make it at the last minute. So we're going to then continue the conversation with Professor Professor Shai and Duma Kobule. So it is a significant year, and I guess there's there's no question about it, but. The expectation really around what we anticipate going this going into this year. Professor Shai, I want you to speak about it from a political point of view. Duma, you can then speak economically and then we can build on the conversation from there on. What kind of year are we really in for, Professor Shai, politically? Indeed, oh, in from a political point of view, the year 2024 is going to be more challenging for the country, but also very interesting for uh, political observers and and commentators. Key reason being that the year 2024, among others, is considered uh, largely uh, by the the bond freeze, bond freeze, and, and 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 other people within certain cycles of the 1994 uh, of, of, of their time. This means uh, within our, our that we've observed 
worked in different countries, ranging from Namibia, Zimbabwe, Zambia, and elsewhere. And one wonders uh, will the ANC uh, suffer the same fate? And surely it will appear as if the 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 ANC under the current political conditions it is not in any way able to to actually extricate itself from the dilemma that it is finding itself in terms of the 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 being the the political party that is in government. Some of the key challenges that are faced by the ANC as a governing party heading for elections uh, this year is that the high level of unemployment, we've got a lot of young people, some mostly educated with university degrees and diplomas, who are unemployed. They are well qualified, but our economy, unfortunately, cannot create jobs, but instead, on a daily basis, it shrinks jobs. On the other hand, uh, we've got, while we're battling with unemployment, there's also a challenge of load shading. There's a challenge of of corruption. The ANC, in as much as for so many years, even under the current president, Ramaphosa, in as much as there have been proactive efforts towards combating uh, corruption and other forms of crime, including gender-based violence, the the realities, the practical realities on the ground, suggest that the party is losing the plot, and the country, the people, are losing the uh, patience. Uh, and we also see that the as the we approach the day of elections, it will appear as if the prospects of a coalition becomes even more uh, possible and getting closer and, 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 and closer with the, the also the, the outbreak of some political formations from the governing party, including the so-called the Umkondawesis, or as a party that has been registered and which is positioned to contest the ANC of Ramaphosa under the current election. So it's going to be very, very much interesting. Mm. But only time will tell. Okay. Um, Duma, let me give you a chance to speak to the same question, I suppose, uh, mostly from an economic point of view. And then I'll ask more more specific questions around uh, some of the opening statements you both make. Yes, thank you, Kathy. So I agree with the professor. It's a watershed moment in the history of our democracy. And when we look back, um, we'll just see that we we have had 30 wasted years under ANC rule. South Africa is now an unviable country that has record levels for unemployment, poverty, and inequality, with black African women bearing the brunt of the government's failed neoliberal economic policies. In 2023, GDP per capita, which is an imperfect measure of average living standards, was lower than it was in 2007. It is expected to decline for another three years. By the end of 2026, the country would have had 19 years of declining average living standards. We can't continue like this, implementing the same failed economic policies and expecting a a different result. If we cut and slice the 
the data differently. From 1994 to 2022, GDP per capita increased by only 22%. By comparison, over the same period, period in local currencies, it was 783% in China, 337% in Vietnam, 315% in Ethiopia, 285% in India, and 216% in Poland, according to the World Bank. So basically, um, during the third quarter of 2023, according to Stats SA, we had 11.7 million unemployed people. The unemployment rate was 41.2%. It is the highest unemployment rate in the world, according to the World Bank. Djibouti is in second. We also have the world's second highest youth unemployment rate after Djibouti. There were 6.7 million young people aged 15 to 34 who had no work and their unemployment rate was 53.1%. There were also 8.7 million young people who are not in education, employment, or training. And, Kathy, that is how revolutions start. Now, the part I don't understand is that the ANC is so committed to these failed economic policies, it's prepared to lose and throw an election for these failed economic policies. And party in a normal party in the rest of the world wants to win an election. And I don't understand why the ANC just... There's no urgency in terms of solving this unemployment policy. In crisis, there's no interest in in solving the unemployment crisis. That's the part I don't understand, you know, yeah. I want to stay with issues of of of, of unemployment and, and the state of, of the economy because I, I believe that that's really going to be um, a, a, a big factor going into, in, including even the elections. We have a statement that has come out of um, government effectively that um, or, or business that says that it has been asked by government to hold off on any retrenchments. This is a statement by the presidency where business has asked it to hold off on any retrenchments until um, further notice. They say they're working on the issue of ESCOM. They're working on the issue of, of Transnet. The problem, Professor Shai, is that when you have years and years of commitment to working on a problem and instead of it getting better, it worsens, at this point, we don't have much to look at which suggests that load shedding will be any better than it has been over the last year, that the state of the economy will be any better than it was last year. What does that then mean for politics and what we can expect to see different political actors make out of that? If I look at Casey, you know, it, um, I, th- th- there is a saying that um, it is easy uh, to criticize uh, than to govern. I think in as much as there are weaknesses uh, within our society, uh, from a governance point of view, uh, politically and socio-economically, we, we, we should also admit that South Africa, it is, it, it, it is, not, it is not a lost hope uh, per se. There have been strides 
positive ones uh, uh, that have been made in terms of turning around the situation in in, in our country, especially uh, in terms of uh, renewing the 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 governing party, the the the, the ANC, and also just broadly opening up the political space. We should also, I think, appreciate the fact that uh, practical measures have been put in place to try and uh, reverse the tirade of uh, corruption and other forms uh, of crime in, uh, in the country. But in the same breath, we should also concede to the fact that those who have benefited uh, from uh, corruption, uh, state capture, and other economic evils will not give up without a fight. And we should also appreciate the fact that, unfortunately, because of the manner in which our electoral system in South Africa it is structured where in uh, political power parties tend to be you know given you know more power uh, than the, the the ordinary people the 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 the, 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 the electorate we, we 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 find ourselves in a dilemma that in as much as those some some of the people who are in government, KP, uh, uh, who are committed to the fight uh, against corruption, against state capture, uh, against um, uh, gender-based violence, and, and, and etc. Similarly, they have to juggle with uh, playing what I, I one may call, uh, you know, a balance that at the government level, they want to really wage a fight against corruption, against state capture. But internally within the agency, they, they, you, you then have, have these people, their hands being hamstrung, not being able to, to, to really fight because they rely on the very same people that they are fighting. Uh, that have to be apprehended, exposed in terms of corruption for support. What am I trying to say here, Katie? Is that the problem of uh, corruption has cut across the political divide. It's not a problem that is limited to the ANC, even in the Democratic Party, even in the... Even, it, it, it cuts across the political divide. It also cuts across the factional divide. But within the context of the ANC interface with the government, we've seen the seriousness in the war against uh, corruption and state capture being more unleashed towards those who are not necessarily in the same faction with the sitting president. And above all, one of the key challenges that we are also facing is that some of the people, including the sitting president, Sir uh, Ramaphosa, he has got a lot of. Uh, 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 there are a lot of you know uh, uh, questions that he still has to answer. 
at least in the eyes of the people of this country. I'm worried that the very people who are presiding in, in the, over the, the crusade against corruption, some of them do not have the moral locus standing to do so. All right. And the question, yes. All right. We'll continue the conversation in a moment. Uh, it's at 10.30. Time for your latest news headlines. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. All right, we continue the conversation there um, on the talking point. So we've heard from Professor Hotazo Shai and Duma. I think I'll ask a question, sort of in in the similar in a similar strain to you, and it's really about what we we're inheriting um, from 2023 in terms of the state of the economy. At this point, there's nothing that says that um, the status quo has changed. By status quo, I mean that the challenges that have been um, facing the country's economy, that some of those factors and the risks still remain the same. Therefore, can we expect something different? No, that's what I was saying. You can't implement these failed economic policies and you expect a different result. Um, The president in July 2022 announced the energy action plan. 18 months later, we have no improvement whatsoever. So if you look at the the numbers since 2007, um, the Ramaphosa presidency, um, the six years, you know, have accounted for 95% of the energy shed since 2007. The Zuma presidency is 3.4%. So what I'm trying to say is that this electricity crisis accelerated in 2018. The unprecedented breakdown in ESCOM's plants started in 2018, not 2007. Number two, so that's the first one. The second one, according to government's own economic forecasts, nothing is going to improve. The GDP, I'm looking at the medium-term budget statement now, it says GDP will grow by 1% next year, and that is lower than the population growth rate. So South Africans are going to become poorer over the next year. Over the next three years, it's going to be an average 1.5%. So what I'm trying to say is that according to government's own plans, the country is a lost hope because nothing... So according to my projections, according to this medium-term expenditure framework, um, we're going to create um, 200,000 jobs a year until twenty, you know, the next three years. But um, the number of people who are entering the labor force is between 700 and 800,000 every year. So we need a GDP growth rate of 4.2% just to create jobs for the 800,000 people who will enter the labor force every year until 2035. So the number of unemployed people is going to increase by almost 2 million people. So now that is the reality facing our country. And I get really... I'm upset that South Africans don't want to discuss any, we shouldn't be discussing anything else except this unemployment crisis. And we get distracted every single day by pointless political debates. And whatever this politician said and whatever this politician said, like I was listening to the the news, did anything that was said in Bombella have to do with unemployment? No. Yeah. 
in in many ways, um, Professor Shai, politicians will also will always lean towards um, the problems that you know may well be easier for them to fix. So at least they'll they'll promise to do that. But do you think that we are as a country at a point where South Africans will be looking specifically at an issue like unemployment as a determining factor for which political party they're going to vote for? Look, <laughs> Kathy, it's it's, um, it's 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 very difficult to tell which political party uh, South Africans um, are going to vote uh, vote for. <laughs> but uh, it's very difficult because, as you know, uh, a vote is 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 is, is also a, a, a secret. But besides the fact that so, 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 also... so, so, Professor Shai, maybe just to be clear, I'm not asking uh-huh. about which political party South Africans will vote for, but whether the issue will be a, a big issue and a determining issue um, when it comes to the kind of parties that people choose. Look, I think for me, the, the unemployment has always been there. And it is it, it is going to be a big issue, but for me, the biggest issue, which is going to really determine the voting patterns of South Africans, is going to be corruption and unemployment. I I, I think those are are, are 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 going to be the biggest issues. Why am I saying this? Remember, I've I've argued elsewhere that the 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 for for the born freeze at least those who were born uh, in after 1994 the liberation credentials of the African National Congress means less to them they mean it, it, it absolutely means nothing to the young people the young people they they, they want to eat. They want to work, and 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 and, 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 and unfortunately, the level of inequality in the country it is so high, uh, as evidenced by the high level of, of 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 unemployment in the country, and with the few limited people who are employed, uh, but even those who are in, employed. Some of them, they are not gainfully employed. They do not end well. It is. It cannot be correct that you have got a lot of young people that are produced by the education system in the country, the colleges, the universities, whose skills uh, are not needed by the job market, or who cannot simply find just a job in the country. But this is not a challenge that is limited to South Africa. I think that globally, there is a challenge of unemployment. But many countries, South Africa is not an exception, are still the No, South Africa is an exception, yeah. We are the highest in the world, yeah. Yeah, we are the exception. We have to face reality, yeah. We are the exception, the highest in the world, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Casey, I, 
I, I, I'm saying South Africa is not an exception for two reasons. You see, you cannot, we need to be very much careful. As much as when, as we, we, it, it, we may find convenience in criticizing the failures of government, which we've got every right to say that, we need to also appreciate the fact that the challenges that we are facing, particularly unemployment, did not just, uh, you know, erupt overnight. We've got a particular history. You cannot uh, compare a country such as South Africa uh, with with China, for instance. You cannot compare South Africa with the United States in terms of unemployment patterns. The reason being that the socio-economic history and even the political history of South Africa is completely different from those ones. Check other countries uh, in the continent. Let's compare South Africa with other countries in the continent. The mere reason why you see a lot of foreign nationals, legal and illegal, flocking to South Africa almost on a daily basis is indicative of the fact that in as much as we are in a very difficult situation, Ours is a better situation compared to other countries in the continent. At least when you, you, you compare South Africa with most of the African countries. So we should not compare South Africa with countries that are not in the continent, that do not have a common colonial history with South Africa, which have always been far ahead of of South Africa. I think the question is, we all agree, I think that we are faced with serious challenges, including unemployment. The question that we should be asking ourselves is, if we all agree that the ANC has failed as a governing party in South Africa, in terms of assisting us to deal with the crisis of unemployment, the question is, do we have a viable alternative in South Africa? If no, then the question is what needs to be done? If we have got a viable alternative, what is it that that, that alternative or a viable alternative that you have? I want to really come sum up my, my, my submission by saying this, Casey. From where I sit as a political observer, South Africa, we have got a, a good vision in terms as, uh, as, as represented by the National Development Plan. South Africa has got good policies. South Africa has got a good constitution. The problem that we have, Katie, in my own opinion, humble opinion, is that we do not have clearly articulated action plans to transform policies into meaningful action that can turn around our economy, bring about increased employment within our ranks. After all, I will say, remember, there are those that benefit from the, the, the weaknesses of, 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 of our system. The question is, in whose interest is it that the problem of unemployment should it be the address? So I don't think we should really get 
very much angry as a country to a point where we say, look, our economic policies are bad, this is bad. Not everything is bad. What we are lacking and that which needs to be really improved is turning the policies that we have into clearly articulated action plans that can increase unemployment. And unfortunately, Katie, there is also a close relationship between the whole question of uh, declining economic growth, uh, corruption, state capture, state of political governance in this world. There's an interrelationship between these countries. You cannot fix the problem of corrupt, I mean, unemployment in South Africa uh, or just corruption as long as we do not get uh, our politics right. Lastly, Kathy, we as South Africans, we should shoulder the blame. I don't blame, personally, I wouldn't really wholly blame the, the ANC because the ANC that has been at the helm of governance since 1994, we as the people of South Africa, we continue re-electing, electing and re-electing. The same people that we accuse for failing us economically and politically. So the, the, for me, I think the responsibility lies in our hand to change the situation around okay. as we first approach the elections. All right. Duma, let me give you a chance to come in before I take some of our listeners who are calling in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, like I, I've got, the professor obviously doesn't like listening to data. I'm saying to you, Cathy, we have got the worst unemployment in the world compared against all emerging markets. Now, if you look at the emerging markets, it's a category that includes 153 countries in Africa, in Asia, in South America. And um, the typical emerging market grows about 4% a year. Now, our unemployment... We are not growing in per capita terms for 16 years. And we can't continue like this, Cathy. And it's fine for you to say all the policies are right. But while, how, if the policies are so right, why are they giving us such bad employment outcomes? Then there's something wrong with the policy. So number, I just want to say quickly on unemployment. From December 2000, the fourth quarter of 2008 to the third quarter of 2023, and the number of unemployed people increased by 5.8 million to 11.7 million. Now, the number of people who are employed um, in terms of older people, 25 to, I mean, 35 to 64, was 2.5 million, and 564,000 young people lost their jobs. So what I'm trying to say to you is that we have a crisis, and we can't be coming up with lame excuses like the, the professor is coming up with excuse the government for this incompetent management of economic policies. And I go back to it. Nothing else should matter except the performance of the economy and the unemployment crisis, which is now completely unacceptable. So we as South Africans out there going to vote, you must look at the manifesto of each political party and say, what are they saying to achieve full employment? Is there a target to achieve full employment? Um, at the social policy initiatives, we've developed scenarios to achieve full employment by 2035. And I'll evaluate all the political parties, but why they're saying to get us to full employment over the next 10 to 15 years. Everything else is a waste of time. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, let me go to Chris. Uh, Chris, good morning. 
Hi, good morning. Yes. You know, I was thinking, uh, does it not now then uh, speak to the implementation? And then I'm thinking also that each department one has a director and a deputy. And then usually uh, when things don't go right, uh, they will get rid of the head of the department, like uh, the minister. And then these directors and the deputies, they remain there. And then everything else continues. And then I'm under the impression that these directors and the deputies are calling the shots because whoever comes again will take what they give him or her. And then I wanted to ask also from the, 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 your panel there that should not the minister and the president have expert advisors where they are going to be advised economically, legal, uh, 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 environmental advisors? And the quality of these, so that it, these people are, are, are giving them the, 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 the reality Chris, picture. Have, have you seen the number of, of advisors that sit under the presidency? That's why I'm talking about the quality now. You see, if these, uh, and then remember I said expert, these people, do they mm. know, are they in the industry? Do they know what they're talking about? Uh, I'm not talking about someone who is like um, uh, in that politically appointee, then you, you, you are my advisor. Someone who is in this, who knows these things. Yeah, so look, the, uh, yeah look, the thing is, a lot of those advisors come from industry, um, but I guess it's still a, a question that uh, our guests can, can answer, Chris. Thank you. Uh, all right. All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling in. Mike, you are in Newlands. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Kathy. You missed and uh, best wishes for the rest of the year. Um, to your guest, I want to just say something. Look, and I think, uh, Kathy, what we're missing on the show is somebody from, from business side, somebody who actually works in industry, um, who has the experience. And because we, what we're talking about here is essentially two academics who I think are right on many, many respects. But let me take them back to a situation. This was just pre-COVID, a boardroom in uh, Frankfurt with about eight people around the boardroom, and they want to invest 200 euros into South Africa and create just 100 jobs in the Stenobosch area, just, the, uh, just for starters. Uh, as the presenter of that program, I had to deal with the following questions. The overall corruption in our country, the rising unemployment and the stability thereof, the fact that uh, we weren't then on the grey list, that didn't get mentioned, but it was an issue, and then the fact that we were junk bond status. Then they said, how do I overcome as an investment company that is not racial in any way? In fact, the chairman of the company was himself a black American. He said, how do we deal with expropriation without compensation? Because our investors will not invest in a country where the possibility of their assets being, uh, being withdrawn or taken back or expropriated. How do they deal with BE, economic empowerment, unions? And, and the final question I had to deal with, is it true that our Minister of Police was in fact once dismissed for corruption? Now, if you kind of see eight people in the boardroom uh, and they're looking at me and they're looking at these charts and they're thinking, what on earth are we doing trying to even think about investing in this country? And to these, say, when I walked out of that boardroom, Two weeks later, there was another guy in there from another country, and he was selling his country, in fact, it was Spain, uh, uh, um, Morocco, and they were <laughs> selling the, and I'll tell you what, you know where they're all going to go, is Morocco. Nobody in their right mind is going to invest in this country. 
with the policies that we've got in place. We can have this conversation with the greatest of respect. I'm taping it, and I promise you, I'll play it back next year, Tessie. We'll be talking about the same problems because none of us, including your guests, are accepting the fact that the policies that we've got are not going to bring us in, in investment into our country. In fact, so bad is the situation that VW has threatened to disinvest. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ford doesn't follow shortly thereafter. We need to correct the way we do business, cardio deployments, and ANC ideology, as much as I have sympathy for it, has got to go and we need a fresh look. And if we don't do that, we'll have this conversation next year and we'll just be, as everybody agrees, that much poorer. Thanks, Kathy. All right. Okay, Mike, that's one view there. Um, from one passionate individual to another, Butana in Rosebank, good morning. Good morning, my sister, and good morning to your guests there. Yes. How can your guests be fooled by optics of ANZ pretending to do something about the crisis of the unemployment? By the way, this unemployment is created by ANZ. Who else has created this uh, unemployment? Who else destroyed the ESCOM? It's AMC. Look at me, that happening there. And they've chosen not to do anything about Zona Report. How can you be fooled? Uh, who's this, this, the Secretary General of the ANC has just told us that they've been lying to us. They've been lying to us all, all along. Can you believe him? Can you believe him? Come on, we need better people to advise this country must get out of the hands of thieves. No one single ANC crooked person is in jail. How good is this policy if they can't even take one crooked person in jail? The thieving continue. And, and the kids are struggling now in university. And they have put palookas there. The money is disappearing. And yet not single person. Even though they just, just get rid of the person that is incompetent. Please, man, we need something better. All right, all right, Ntata Butana. I hear you loud and clear. Um, look, I, I guess, I guess the, the reality is, even though we know what the figures say about the state of our country, how we interpret it is going to be different from individual to individual. And that's what's coming out in this conversation. Puti, you're out in Toyando. Good morning. Morning, Keith. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm all right, man. Um, I don't think uh, Professor Day has been fair on his analysis when it comes to the issue of unemployment. I'm not saying that he should criticize the ANC in a way, but he should be able to balance the facts. I mean, if we are, we are number one, so bad on the issue of unemployment. She says we should pay it as it is. And I also don't think that he answered your question uh, that, you, that you asked him regarding uh, if maybe the issue of unemployment will influence uh, people when they go into vote. My answer to that is no. It's not going to influence anyone. Because if you go to rural areas and ask about any policy of the ANC, you don't know anything about policies or, of the ANC. You just vote for the ANC because it is the ANC. That's all. So the issue of unemployment, for us to be able to, to resolve it, I don't think it is going to be resolved anytime. Soon. And 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 the fact that the the professor, if I understood his his argument correctly, is that, you know, he's saying it's all good to look at figures that say South Africa has the worst unemployment in the world, but is it really fair to be benchmarking ourselves against? Other countries should we not be limiting it to countries on the on, on the continent? 
that have a, but, a similar but those history countries have to, as those he has ca- argued. Those countries, those countries have done they, far better than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there are other countries I think that are better than us in Africa, even if you can compare. Uh, ourselves with them. So, and also, uh, the, the, the years that we, we've been we've been enjoying freedom, it's, it's a long time now. So, if we keep on saying, uh, comparing ourselves with, with like likes of Zimbabwe, we'll never we'll never uh, uh, grow because we always say no, better than Zimbabwe, better than other countries. So, it's, so for us to grow, we should compare ourselves with America. So, why why can't we compare ourselves with America? What's the reason behind it? Because we're in Africa. Okay. I don't think uh, I don't think that's only she should be the only reason. So mm. if America is doing well, we should be trying to be like America so that we can can be able to address the issue of unemployment. All right. That is my take on that. Yeah. All right. All right. Putty, thanks. Thanks for calling in with that view, Professor Shay. Let me give you um, the, the first opportunity to respond to our listeners, and then uh, Duma, I'll give you the last word. Yes. Uh, thanks, Casey. I think let me just. A randomly address some of the comments by by the, the the viewers, especially the 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 comment about the the place uh, of expert advisors in the situation that we find ourselves in. I I, I think Katie, uh, for me, the there are a lot of advisors, expert advisors, some employed on a full-time basis, others serving in, um, in advisory councils, like, you know, we've got uh, the Economic Advisory Council in the presidency, uh, we've got the, uh, the National Development Commission, uh, and advisors. And if you look at the composition of these advisory teams. I think you may agree with me that they they have been you know recruited from various sectors of of our society, and all of them they are men who have men and women who have distinguished themselves in their area of trades. But in the presence of all these expert advisors. Why is the situation not improving? I will argue that, Katie, you'll understand that uh, an advice, uh, the exercise of an advice is largely based on a voluntary basis. I can advise you, Katie. I can advise the president. I can advise the minister. But I cannot force the minister or the president or even the governing party the government to accept the advice. It is entirely up to them whether they accept and take and implement the advices as they are received. And at the same time, in as much as I like the point that you said, that in the context of the topic that we are discussing, we have got different conceptions of the the topic that we are discussing, maybe partly because we are looking at this topic from different vintage points. And unfortunately, even within the mix of advisors that we have in government, it is uncommon or unlikely that the advisors that in government 
will speak with a common voice. All right. Yes. All right. Professor Shai, we'll have to leave it there with you for this morning. Duma? Yeah, yeah quick one. I just want to say that there's, there's no shortage of advisors. And I'll just use the Presidential uh, Economic Advisory Committee. If you go to their website and you read their reports, um, it is the, one of the most untransparent organizations. We don't if you read a few reports that they have. Nothing have they ever said about how to address the unemployment crisis. So I'm going to be very um, impatient with all South Africans during 2024 is that if you're not telling me what we're going to do to address this unemployment crisis, you're just wasting our time. So I would like all South Africans, you know, to challenge the politicians from all political parties to say what they're going to do about the unemployment crisis. And to Mike, all I'm saying is that if you address the unemployment crisis, the GDP growth, the unemployment, everything else falls into place. And correct, nobody's going to invest in a country that is not growing, that is not creating jobs. That is what the government has to understand. Yes, Putana, the ANC is the one. We can't excuse the ANC government for, for the failures of ESCOM, the failures of unemployment, the failures, and so forth. And Puti, I agree with you. You know, I was discussing issues of health, you know. I benchmark South Africa. Where do you want to be in 20, 30 years? We want to be a developed country, you know, a developed country. And so when I benchmark like our health, our education, I always benchmark against OECD countries. You know, how many doctors do we need? How many nurses do we need? We must benchmark against the countries that have been successful. And that is how Asia, the developmental states, made a leapfrog in one generation to become developed countries because we can't benchmark ourselves against basket cases. I agree with Putin. All number right. One. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll have to leave it there for this morning. Thank you all for your contributions. That was Duma Kobule, Research Associate at the Social Policy Initiative and Professor Khotadzo Shai, Professor of Politics at the University of Limpopo.